0: A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 2 to 4. At that time, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. So let's just become like children uh, before a Heavenly Father on this retreat. Um, Our guardian angels are going to help us and and, uh, protect us and guide us. Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that they're angels in heaven. Always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. Uh, We tend to think of just the little ones being the children, but also we are little ones, and um, and so let's just be children before our heavenly Father. But uh, as I mentioned last night, you know, you know, so the conferences I have in mind are identity and. Um, deliverance and sacraments and he, inner healing, and then also redemptive suffering uh, so identity you know and it really is all about identity you know our lives you know the more that we embrace who we are, um, the better off we are. Um, God cre- God created us simply out of love for us you know there's no, there 's nothing we did to earn this life there 's nothing we did to put ourselves on this earth. And so, from the moment that God thought of us, it was total gift. And um, you know, one way of putting it, I heard Peter Kreft say, "You know, God just made you um, for the fun of it. He didn't need us, right? He just—it's totally out of love that He created us. Um, and so, everything in this life is gift. After." Willing us into existence, after thinking of us into existence, everything else is gift. And so we owe everything to God. And he owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. We owe everything to him. And, and, and the reason that we're here is because he loves us. And we are created, we know, to receive love. And we're also created to give love. And this is what we find in the scriptures, this is what we find in the catechism. John 3.16, that everyone uh, probably knows so well, God created us um, uh, out of love. So John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. Then John 10.10, A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I mean, do we really believe that that Jesus came to give us abundant life? You know, did he did he come, or is this you know, is life just meant to be misery? You know, Um, and darkness. No, he came to give us life. Um. First letter of John, See what chapter 3. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God, yet so we are. First John, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might have life through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loves us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us... We also must love one another, and uh, Dr. Bob Schutz was uh, alluding to this and really expounding upon it uh, amazingly in an amazing way in a conference uh, during breakfast. But uh, the Catechism, uh, chapter—not chapter, but uh, paragraph two twenty-one—says God's very being is loved, is love. So paragraph 221 says, God's very being is love. By sending his only Son and the Spirit of love in the fullness of time, God has revealed its innermost secret. Well, what's his innermost secret? That God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he has destined us to share in that exchange. So he wants us in that exchange of love. He wants to draw us into that. And that's what the Christian life is about, right? Um, that's what he wants. Not just for Christians. He wants for all his creation, all his um, children. Um, and I, th- I thought I would just uh, um, also uh, quote Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. So this was his Mass for inauguration. At the beginning of his pontificate, and this is, so this would have been April 24th, 2005, Pope Benedict, the, Pope Benedict the 16th said this, Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. There's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There's nothing more beautiful, beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. Each of us is a result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary, he says. So, you know, really, on this retreat, you know, I I would just love, you know, this is what, this is my prayer for all of us, is that we would just allow ourselves to be loved by God. We have so many distractions from that. Um, Reasons why I don't think I deserve to be loved by God. Reasons why I have not earned being loved by God. Um, Reasons that other people have told me that I should not be uh, deserving of love from God. Um, And so, you know, there's all kinds of distractions from that basic truth. And, you know, when, when we think of um, our Lord's, uh, you know, when we think of his crucifixion and dying for us, you know, so often we can, it, you know, we can say, so often we do say, he died for you. He died, you know, we think, well, yeah, he died for you. He died for the whole church. He died for everybody. So, no, he died for you. He died for each one of us, okay? And so I think it would be a good thing just to really reflect on that and try to say in your heart and in your mind sometime during this retreat, um, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And just having that really penetrate our minds and our hearts. He died for us, okay? Not just collectively, but individually and personally. Okay. and so we just want, we just want uh, to allow, we have to allow ourselves to be loved by God. Um, and, don't, and, and that can be hard because we project things onto God. We project things onto him, you know, this reward kind of love. And we've all experienced it. You know, it's just, it's part of our common human experience where at times in our lives we have received love because of something we did, you know, And maybe it's reinforced in us. We did such and such, and oh, okay, I was—I got attention for that. I got approval from that. I got love from that. Um, And so we can have in our minds that um, that love is this kind of reward, kind of love, and that that's how God loves. And that's not how He loves. His love for you is constant. It is total. It is complete. It is perfect. It's the only kind of love that can fulfill you. Um, it's sacrificial. It's unconditional. Um, and so we don't do anything to earn God's love. We do, don't do anything to... Um, you know, not, not even going to confession earns God's love, okay? Um, God loves you just as much before confession as he does after, right? Right? Um, it's, it really is the only constant in our lives. I mean, everything around us—everything around us changes. People change, we change. God's love does not change, and and so we just want to take in, we just want to drink in that truth. You know that um, we are we are just so loved by God, and. Um, uh, and, and I and I totally can totally relate to, you know, the, the notion. Okay, yeah, Father, thanks for telling me. That, you know, people told me this for the for my whole life as a Catholic, as a Christian. God loves you. Yeah, I I know it. I know it, but do I know it? Right? Do I know it here? And so, and if I don't know it here, please. Do not accuse yourself of that. Please do not go down the road. Well, what did I do? What what must you know, what do I have to do? Now just tell Jesus about it. Just tell him. Say, Jesus, I, I know you love me. I've heard it a zillion times as a Christian, as a Catholic. I want to know it here. Please. Jesus there's not going to be some lightning bolt that's going to strike you for praying that prayer okay and I don't know how Jesus does not answer that prayer okay so just he um, and, and it's not important to try to go to figure out okay well why hasn't he given to me why why haven't I felt haven't I felt it until now okay um, don't, don't go down that road don't worry about it just ask him just say Jesus I, I want that you know um, you know, we can be. You know, especially, and so maybe I think maybe everybody can relate to this, but I'm going to guess that especially the guys can relate to this that are here. You know, we're the we're the ones that want to, and we I mean, are just it's it's a tendency to want to figure things out, right? <laughs> like this is connected to this, and this is connected to this, and this is why then I feel like this, and this is what I should do about it, and this is the solution just let it go let it go and just surrender to the lord and uh just say lord this is where i'm at and so i guess what i was trying to say with respect to you know if we know it here but we don't know it here it's it's not about accusing yourself and 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 don't don't feel bad i mean yeah we feel bad but don't um you know just uh I guess the point is that it's not about you trying to do something so that you will feel this, okay? It's not about trying, what do I have to do? What do I have to, is there a book I need to read? Is there, you know, what passage from Scripture do I need to read so I feel it here? Just let God guide it. Just turn to him and be honest with him. Just be honest with him in prayer. Real heart-to-heart prayer, Right? Just tell them exactly what's on your mind. Exactly whether that's whether that's joy, whether that's Thanksgiving, whether that's sadness, whether that's anger. So I'd like to um, just read. Um, you know, we we just want God to we just allow God to love us and put our fa- our faults and failings. Don't please let's just. Throughout the, okay, judging ourselves, okay? Just throw that out the window right now. We're not going to judge ourselves, right? Um, we all have things that we we regret and all that. Um, let God do that. Let God be the one to just come and minister to us. So it's all about identity. And this is really what comes through, I think, in this book. Be healed, okay? Okay. Um, uh, and if you've read this book, um, if, you had to, if you haven't read it, it's okay. You, didn't, you don't. Know. But I highly recommend that you do at some point in your life. Okay. Uh, but chapter four, I think, at the beginning of that is kind of a is like the kernel, the the real um, heart of what this book is about. Okay. And it begins with he ha- he quotes Saint John Paul II. Okay. Uh, at World Youth Day in 2002 up in Toronto. And I was a pastor at Aurora, St. Mary's in Aurora, at the time. And I had the privilege of of being one of the chaperones on a bus uh, with Father Hunt and a bu- bunch of youth. And um, two of those youth are now... Um, uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, okay? You might know the Montgomery brothers, okay? They were on that bus, now uh, Father Innocent and Father Angelus, right? Do I have those names right? Okay. But um, I remember we had barely taken off, you know? We had barely taken off, I think, I don't know, from Pius or wherever. We were on the bus, and we were heading up 70th Street, and one of those two brothers, I don't know who it was, but said, just yells out, I can feel the love on this bus. (laughs) And it just kind of set the tone for the whole trip. I mean, the whole bus was just, we just had a ton of fun. But uh, we went up to uh, Toronto, and um, uh, and just some of the experiences that are coming back to me where. there was just such. I remember the first night we were there when people were congregating, and there was, you know, people from all over the world. Obviously, youth from all over the world, and they were singing songs, and they were just, they were, they were, they just felt like they were in a totally safe place, and they were just having fun, and they were having fun in the Lord. They were having fun, and I, I remember thinking at the time. I thought. You know, if somebody just who was not Christian, who was not Catholic, did not know what was going on, they would think these people were drunk. Seriously. I mean, the way they were, like, hanging out bus windows and stuff like that, you know? And, um, but it was awesome. Um, it was a great, great experience. But I think it was at the, it was at the last day, the Mass, where St. John Paul II said this, and I, I remember him saying these words, and I'm sure you've, I'm guessing maybe many of you have heard or read these words of his previously, but they're, that's how Dr. Bob begins his fourth chapter, "The Beloved Son." He quotes St. John Paul II: um, "We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son." So hear those again. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us in our real capacity to become the image of His Son. Okay. And then Dr. Bob continues. How do you perceive yourself? Do you see yourself as the sum of all your weaknesses and failures? Or the image of the beloved Son? Do you believe that you are cherished and deeply lovable or inherently worthless and easily discarded? Is your fundamental identity that of a sinner or a saint? Don't be too quick to answer these questions. You may believe one thing based on the way you have been taught, but quite another in the way you really see yourself in the depths of your heart. And this is no small matter. What you believe about yourself In your heart becomes your identity, which in turn shapes everything in your life. And he says further on, he says, We are confused because we are living from two competing identities. We are beloved children of the Father, but still find ourselves struggling with weakness of character and the consequences of sin that remain with us even after our baptisms. Jesus has no such inner conflicts or contamination of soul. His identity is clear and without confusion. For all eternity, he is the beloved Son of the Father in communion with the Holy Spirit. And so that's the place where we want to be is to know ourselves to be the, the beloved son and daughter, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And um, what happened, uh, Dr. Bob described it in his talk in the uh, during breakfast this morning. You know, what happened was the fall, right, where, our, where the enemy, where Satan... Um, led our first parents to believe that God could not be trusted, that he really wasn't a father for them, that he really wasn't able to protect them, that he really didn't have their best interest in mind. And so that's where this all started. You know, we you know, and so that's just been the, that's been the, his mantra since, the enemy's mantra is to get us to believe something other than who we are, beloved sons and daughters of our Father. and and whatever he can do to agitate us in that and get us to think otherwise in his mind he's succeeded but uh, we uh, and so we know that's at work we know um, St. John Paul II in uh, crossing the threshold of hope crossing the threshold of hope uh, this is on page 227 He says, the father-son paradigm is ageless. It is older than human history. The rays of fatherhood contained in this formulation belong to the Trinitarian mystery of God himself, which shines forth from him, illuminating man and his history. This notwithstanding, as we know from Revelation, in human history the rays of fatherhood meet a first resistance in the obscure but real fact of original sin. This is truly the key for interpreting reality. Original sin is not only the violation of a positive command of God, but also, and above all, a violation of the will of God as expressed in that command. Original sin attempts, then, to abolish fatherhood. Original sin attempts, then, to abolish fatherhood. Think of how that has impacted our understanding of who our God God and Father is. That he can be trusted. That he desires our best interest. He has a best interest in mind. That he wills our good, not just a week from now, not just this retreat, but every moment of every day. He wills our good, and so and this obviously has affected who we think we are. You know, because we've we've um, we've also been confronted by lies and uh, that the enemies fed us, uh, as he did with the um, uh, with our first parents. And so, in this book, uh, "Be Healed," okay, um, Dr. Bob talks about how. Um, you know, it's almost as if we each have this tree of knowledge of good and, and bad. Okay, and you know what? What he say the the image that he gives is okay. The, the The fruit on the tree is like this bad fruit, right? And those are our those are our sins, the sins uh, in our lives. But what he says is, you know, if we are constantly if we're if we're confessing the same sins over and over again, most likely the case that there's a wound down below. There's a wound from which those fruits, that bad fruit is coming, you know, in the roots of the tree. And so that's where we, um, that's where we want Jesus to just come and and be with us encounter us at those places, you know, those wounds in our lives. Um, and, and this is what we hope for and pray for on this retreat. You know, whatever he wants to do in that regard. You know, we, again, we surrender all to him. It's all on him to do this, but, um, and so you know, Doctor Bob talks about okay, what would those wounds be? You know, those wounds down below, and he comes up with, um, he says there's seven different wounds. You know, you can categorize wounds in a million different ways. There's you know, when it comes down to it, there's I don't know, all ki- all kinds of wounds. But he says there's seven, just like there are seven deadly sins. Okay seven deadly sins pride anger lust avarice or greed gluttony envy and sloth okay he says just like there's seven deadly sins he says there's seven deadly wounds um and um abandonment rejection shame fear powerlessness, uh, hopelessness, and confusion. Um, and those wounds, um, um, you know, basically what we know is that the enemy then attacks us at the wound. You know, he attacks us, he's opportunistic, and so a wound could be something very simple, like somebody said something to me when I was five years old, and it really... Impacted my heart. We look back on it now, and you know what my grandfather, my father, my uncle said to me at that time. It's not that big a deal. Why? Why is that? Why is that? Why do I even remember that? Why is that such a something that comes to mind for me? Well, because when I was five years old or whatever, it impacted my heart. Okay, so it could be something simple as somebody saying something to us, but just because of where we're at in life. Because of where we're at, it just um, impacted us in some way. Okay, and and but the enemy again is opportunistic, and he's right there to throw lies on us as a result of this or that. Okay, so wound could be something very simple, um, and you know, to the Lord, you know, whether it's simple or great or really grave and heinous wounds, the Lord cares about it. The Lord wants; He came to heal it. Um, could be you know something uh, like a death in the family or some kind of abuse or trauma, um, you know uh, it, so these wounds though, um, what happens? Dr. Bob says there's this anatomy of the wound. He shows this anatomy of the wound, where, where you, know, you have the wound itself, abandonment, shame, fear, rejection, powerlessness. Hopelessness, confusion. So you have the wound itself and then the enemies there to heap lies on us about ourselves or make judgments about others because of the wound. Okay? Because this happened, I am such and such, or I'll always be such and such, or so and so is such and such, and they will always be such and such. Okay. And so you have the wound and then the lies and judgments, and then beyond that is then we start to make inner vows because we're trying to protect our heart. We have to take control, and, and Dr. Bob talks about it as an ungodly, ungodly self-reliance, unholy vows. Okay, ungodly self-reliance because I, you know, no one was there to protect me. Now I have to protect myself. I have to protect my own heart, and so the inner vows become things like. And because this happened, I will never do such and such when I'm in this situation, or I will always do such and such when I'm in the same situation, okay? Um, or I will never be able to do this or able to do that because of what happened to me. And, um, uh, and so, you know, some of those lies he... Uh, with, with, With respect to each of those wounds, what would some of those lies look like? Okay, abandonment. With regard to abandonment, I am all alone. No one understands me. No one cares. With regard to shame, I am bad, dirty, stupid, perverted. It's all my fault. Fear. If I trust, if I speak or confront, I will be hurt or even die. I'm not safe. Powerlessness. I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. Rejection. I am not loved or wanted. I am not loved or wanted. I have no value. Hopelessness. It's never going to change. I'm weary. There is no hope. Confusion. I don't understand. I don't know what is happening to me. It doesn't make sense. And so as I read those wounds, you know, I can almost, uh, you know, we can almost, even as I read them and I explain what the lies can be, it's almost like we can, even with that, even just hearing that, our minds can be so trained and so conditioned that we then start to go, Oh, that's me. What did I do? You know? Um, and that's and just not the road we want to go down. Um, Jesus came to heal our wounds. He came to heal the whole person, as Dr. Bob says, and so many others. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord, and this is what Jesus proclaimed himself in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the lowly, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus proclaimed that. Jesus proclaimed that with his life. And that's who he is. He came to bring glad tidings to the lowly, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. And so this is who our Savior is. None of this, none of our wounds are, he is not afraid of them. He redeemed them. He hung on the cross and he was resurrected. Um, and so he's, he wants to be there. Um, he wants to be in the midst of them. He wants to bring healing to them. You know, and it's so important for us to understand that, you know, with respect to our Lord Jesus, with the, with respect to God the Father, okay? Because we can tend to think, well, I've been in this, I've had this, been affected by this wound, or I've, I've, or I've um, struggled in, so, in this way or that way for so much of my life. It must be that God just wants me to suffer, and I need to take up my cross, and I just need to... Um, I'm, it must be the case. That I just need to. Um, how, how did we. How does it. Um, uh, uh, offer it up? I need to just offer it up. You know, as if, you know, like that's the answer. That's the answer. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, we're going to talk about um, redemptive suffering. But I'm coming to understand that God doesn't expect redemptive suffering. Unless he's calling us to it, and he does call us to it at times, no doubt about it, but let's not start there, okay? let's not start there. let's start with the truth that Jesus came to heal, He came to bring healing to us, and um, uh, and, and let's just you know the, the you know let's just Jesus, please just crush the lie, crush the lie that our Father wants us to suffer, okay? That our Father just wants to see us suffer, that he wants to punish us and see us suffer because of things that we have done. Jesus, I pray that you would just right now crush that lie if it has any effect on any of us. Because that's not who our Father is. That's not who Jesus is. And and so Jesus came to teach us, really, he came, and for so many reasons, obviously, but one of the, he just, he came to reveal to us not only who God is, but he came to reveal to us who we are. He came to reveal to us who we are. And the Second Vatican Council says this in Gaudium et Spes, uh, number 22. um, It says, um, Christ, the final Adam, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and his love, fully reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear. Fully reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear. It goes on and says, Since human nature, as he assumed it, was not annulled uh, by the fact of original sin. It has been raised up to a divine dignity in our respect too. And so um, he came to make us whole, to restore us to, to wholeness. Um, in that same paragraph, 22, "Gaudium et Spes, uh, the church in the modern world, Vatican II, uh, the Christian man, conformed to the likeness of that Son who is the firstborn of many brothers, received the first fruits of the Spirit, by which he becomes capable of discharging the new law of love. Through this Spirit, who is the pledge of our inheritance, the whole man is renewed from within. The whole man is renewed from within, just by Jesus coming to be among us. And you may have heard uh, St. Irenaeus' quote uh, quoted in many places, but uh, the glory of God is man fully alive. Brothers and sisters, I want to be fully alive. I don't know about you, but I want to be fully alive. And I'm not talking just about heaven. I want it now, right? I want to be fully alive now. And I believe Jesus came to, to make that happen john 10 10 i came that they may might have life and have it more abundantly okay Uh, and, and it's true as dr bob points out that there are you know he experienced all the wounds jesus did in his lifetime and in his passion but here's the deal he experienced the wound without identifying with it okay he felt what it was like to be abandoned as he's hanging on the cross and his heavenly father's doing nothing about it. He's feeling abandoned. But in his identity, he also knows that his father has not abandoned him. Okay? Um, and, you know, with all of these wounds you know, that the Lord experienced, um, fear, um he experienced fear but he didn't he was not fear embodied right he experienced fear but he didn't allow it to change what he was called to do who he was as savior who had to just accept the chalice the cup of suffering okay and so He, yeah, he experienced the wounds, but didn't identify with them, okay? And I would say the same thing with respect to, you know, Jesus did not sin. Obviously, he's the son of God. He came to save us from it. But, you know, for you and me, you know, sometimes we can identify with our sins. And I I beg you not to do that. You know, I mean, just, yeah, and don't get me wrong. We're all going to have that battle here and beyond this retreat. But, you know, I guess an example would be my temper got the best of me or my pride keeps me from that. It's like, what? Do not claim it. Please do not claim it. Okay. My temper, my pride, right? We're coming into agreement with the enemy when we do that. Okay. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. And the lie is that it cannot change. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I think it's important that we you know you know I, I mean, if you say that to me at some point in confession i 'm not going to judge you and condemn you and all that stuff but but I, I think you get what I mean. We're like you know we can identify we, we start to identify like, okay, this is how I 've acted for so long, or this is the wound i 've been dealing with for so long it 's just who I am it 's just who I am, okay. And um, yeah, we may have to still struggle. We may. The Lord may. You know. We just want it to be all the Lord's project. Just surrender to Him. If there's a if there's a struggle that we need that He's asking us to take on for the not only our own good but for the good of others, and so be it. But let Him be the one to 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 guide us in that. Right. Um, let's see here. Much of my um, much of my own healing has come about not only from reading the the book Be Healed, but also having gone to a John Paul II Healing Center retreat. A couple of them. One that just really rocked my world. Both have rocked my world. But um, February of last year, 2017, um, I came. It was a retreat. So Dr. Bob, he's you may or may not know this. He started this John Paul II Healing Center, and it's. Based in in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, the the motto their motto is transformation in the heart of the church. Okay, and so they they have this team that they're just wanting us all to live, you know, trying to help us all understand who we are and to live according to that identity and experience healing of the heart and help others to experience it. Right, and uh, one of the um. You know I would just say that, having gone on that retreat with ten other or nine other priests from around the country, it was just awesome, um, the way I would describe that retreat was that we felt like we were in a very safe place and we felt loved the whole time by God and by them okay and um, and go figure there 's a lot of healing that takes place, but that retreat was to help us as priests work into our ministry. Inner healing prayer, and we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Um, no, later today, but uh, inner healing prayer, and so. Um, but also, part of it is for us to experience what that looks like, and so I had the opportunity of being of meeting with Dr. Bob Schutz on two occasions uh, during that retreat, and um, it was just very impactful for me. Very. Um, you know, as you can hear his voice and those in those talks, he's just—he's very fatherly. He's very fatherly, very—he's firm, he's truthful, but very compassionate. And um, I just—it was. Uh, and during that retreat, I was the one that, or it, was, you know, it seemed like I was. The, it seemed to me like I was the only one that had that had tears coming down my eyes the whole week, you know. And it was just, and that's, you know, that really wasn't me. I was always afraid to just show that, you know. And but everything was speaking to me. I mean, the the words and the liturgy. Maybe that's happening for you this weekend. The words and the liturgy, uh, mass, liturgy, of the hours, the talks, whatever. And uh, just speaking to my heart, just brought a, a ton of healing. And um, as a result of that retreat, I came off of that just fearless, fearless to be who I'm called to be as a priest. And it was, it was one of those things where I just thought, well, for several months after that, after um, just some of my, after my parishioners in Wilbur and Tobias saw. Uh, a change there really kind of freaked him out, and they kept saying, "Are you, Father, are you okay? Are you okay?" And and um, he said, "You've changed." And I would, you know, it's, and initially I was like, "Yeah, I have changed. Yeah, I have. Thanks be to God." But then after buying that line for three months, then I came to understand, no, I haven't changed. I've actually become who I am. You know. I actually became the priest I'm called to be. And so, um, you know, that's, uh, I mean, it's a huge, it's huge for me to see it that way and to understand that. Um, but one of the things they did is they taught us how to listen to our hearts, you know, listen to God speaking to our hearts and to trust that. Okay. And like I said last night, God speaking to your heart and, uh, um, we have, a, we have a Father who loves, he loves to see us doing things that bring us joy. He loves to see us bringing joy to our heart, doing things that bring joy to our hearts. You know, um, we can tend to think that this life or the Christian life is just so, it's just regimented and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to go to Mass on Sunday and I've got to pray my rosary and I've got to do this um, and I've got my work, I've got to do this and work and all that. Um, do you ever just stop and do something that brings joy to your heart and and, and give yourself permission to do that um, i think that 's what our, i think that 's where our father uh, i think that 's what our father would want for us i 'm coming to learn that i 'm coming to understand that um, not that i don 't still go into the workaholic thing and i 'm not a workaholic trust me i 'm not a workaholic but um, but i don 't but when I kind of tend to go. To the point where, okay, my day off, and start loading things up on my day off, then it's like, okay, as if the whole world's going to fall apart if I take a day off. So we have to remind ourselves of these things, you know, that our Father really is this loving Father. Um, And um, I'm just, uh, you know, one is, I don't know if you've heard of Father Matthias Thielen. He's a a priest of um, um, the Diocese of, uh, I want to say it's Lansing. Uh, I'm sorry. might be Detroit. Um, But anyway, he's in Brighton, Michigan. But he and others have started this ministry called Encounter Ministries. And one of the things that, you know, just really helping us, you know, just really focused on having people live according to who they are. With the spirit within them, and just allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them, um, and and the charisms of the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. But with respect to healing, you know, are you desperate for healing? You know, Father, I love what he says. Father Matthias Thielen said and he might have been quoting someone else, but mm-hmm. he says desperation plus expectation equals an invitation for God to act. Desperation plus expectation equals an invitation for God to act. Okay? So don't be afraid to pray with expectation. Don't be afraid to pray boldly that God desires this healing for you and um, that he's going to give it to you. Um, it's just a matter of do we, do we want that? Do we want that uh, for ourselves? John chapter five. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool called in Hebrew Bethesda, with five porticos, and these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, "Do you want to be well?" The RSV says, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up. While I'm on my way, someone else gets down there before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man became well, took up his mat, and walked. Do you want to be healed? Yes, Jesus, please heal us.